Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions, an opportunity for you to get a seat at the table. Today we hear from Nathan, a behavior modification specialist, executive coach and business strategist, and podcast host and natural fitness athlete. Glenn Lundy believes that if you can change the way people start their day, it'll make a massive impact in their life. So make sure you're subscribing, downloading, and sharing out the Breakfast with Champion podcast so that you don't miss your seat at the table. because he's pretty new to the Breakfast of Champions stage. It's his first segment as well. Um, he's one of my friends on Clubhouse because every time he speaks, I would kind of be like, who is that? And I would go back to my phone, uh, and uh, I'm excited that you're in Breakfast of Champions to share your genius and your expertise with us on this uh, Wealth and Health Wednesday. So I'm going to pass you the mic, my friend. Good evening, good evening, good evening, everybody. Thank you, thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me here. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for everybody who's been hanging out with us um, so far. And it's an absolute privilege. I've kind of taken a fair amount of hiatus from Clubhouse, but always when I do return, I, I come here first. And no matter how busy I was, I had to say yes to this opportunity to to share this table with you guys. You know, the thought that came to my mind is that it's like the IHOP of Clubhouse breakfast served 24 hours a day. It's uh, right now. It's 18. I love it. Yeah, it's 18, but it's kind of like IHOP, you know, pancakes all day, you know. So um, it's exciting to be here. And um, before, I think the last person who went um, had done a reset, but I will do that slightly just to kind of reset my brain, reset my mind. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are in the Breakfast with Champions Club, the Millionaire Breakfast Club. Um, this room, I'm not here 15 hours a day, but we've got wonderful people who are here. The entire room is open at least for 15 hours of programming every day um, from 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. Um, and we've got a lot of dedicated people doing this. And so right now, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, like Dominique would say, invite some friends, bring them in. They just got off of work. They're going to want to hear some of this and um, at least decompress with the things that we have to say in this room. Definitely beats any bad news you'd get in the hallway. So please join us and um, we'll get started. My time is fairly limited. Today, I, what I wanna talk about is, um, you know, just listening all day to the wonderful things that everybody has spoken about. I kinda wanna move in a slightly different direction, but one that is incredibly important to everybody. Um, in my work as a subconscious behaviorist, um, you know, really, I work with people also with business strategy. But what I found is that practically everybody who comes to me for something in their business because they want to move up, they want to do this, they want to do that, it often comes back to something personal. It often comes back to something personal. And in that something personal will often go back to a childhood experience. And so it is a reason why I really wanna talk about this because in the pursuit of wealth, happiness, purpose, service, mission, this is the one thing that one can never run away from. Doesn't matter how much you have, doesn't matter how many deals you close, you're still that kid that was raised in a particular family system. So. I want to talk about today family systems and, and maybe kind of go into a little bit of uh, traits of a dysfunctional family. So if you're listening to this 
you can say, hmm, dang it, that's actually my family, how I grew up. And this might give you a clue to start looking at that experience that you had, right? Because Carl Jung says that everything that you, you learn in the discovery of yourself will help you understand other people. And he also said that until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. But all it is is unconscious programming, which most likely started from your very early years. So what we want to talk about then is, is really a family. A family is a system. A system is a collection of units in your body. You've got cells. The, the cells come together, create tissue, and then they create an organ. An organ, you have a system like a respiratory system, and then you have a body. Um, so the family just happens to be a system, which is also part of a larger system, which is usually maybe your community or your church or, you know, you've got all these different aggregations. But going back to that family, that fundamental unit, I want to list about 10 or 15 signs of dysfunctional family. Make some notes. Ask yourself, hmm, which one applies to me where I grew up? Or what are we playing out in my current family right now? What are we playing out in my relationship if I'm, if I'm not married? Right? Because guess what? That's what you're going to play out in your business relationships. That's what you're going to try to play out with your clients too. Or hell, you, they might even try to play it out with you. At least you can perceive and you can know this. Right? Um, the, the quote actually was from Carl Jung. It says, knowing your own darkness is the best method for dealing with the darkness of other people. Because at that point, we have perspective and you don't really get to judge people. You can maybe be a little bit more compassionate because you kind of understand what is going on. So um, who's excited about this topic? Please, I need some 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 noise. Who's ready? To yes, 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 let's do it. Family. All right. Let's go. All right. So the first one, functional family go characterized for it, by the defense mechanism of denial. People deny stuff, right? There's that stuff that everybody does in this family, but nobody really wants to talk about. Denial. So is where there's things that happen in your family, you know, I had a client, grandfather molested all the kids. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Let's not talk about it. That's not what we do here, right? There's usually emotional, physical, or sexual abuse. We're all adults here, so we're going to talk about this. And even if a kid is listening, it's very important to listen to because it's not normal, okay? Physical, emotional, or any other kind of abuse. That's a dysfunctional system. Right? How are you talking to your spouse? How do you guys communicate? How were you spoken to as a kid? There is shame of parents, family, and self. Was shame the normal way of making things people pay for the mistakes that they made? How does that play out in your relationships? Right? Because you'll take that into your personal relationship and then it'll play out as shame and guilt. You'll try to shame your partner and it's a big war. Right? Oh, I'm the only person that works. You know, you should go get a job. You know, shame, guilt, the whole nine yards. Very dysfunctional thing. Dysfunctional families are created when dysfunctional individuals get married. So if you're thinking of getting married, don't do it if you know that you're a dysfunctional person. Sort yourself out. Right? If you've got an issue, don't get in a business um, deal with somebody. If you know you have insecurities, you're going to blow your business deal up. Go sort yourself out. A dysfunctional family keeps family secrets. 
to put up a front to the outside world and each other, right? This, 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 then it brings um, rise to the statement that says that we are only as sick as the secrets we decide to keep. A dysfunctional family has what we call enmeshment, where there is a lack of personal boundaries. Mother is in daughter's deal, and she knows everything about all her boyfriends or whatever it is. What is called enmeshment. You might think you're really cool with your kid, but what it really is, it's a lack of boundaries. Or the kid knows everything about the man you're dating. It, it creates issues later on in life, right? And that's what we call enmeshment. Feelings are internalized, right? Something bad happened or a mistake occurred, but everybody internalizes that feeling. You make it mean something about you. And that causes a free expression of feelings to be discouraged because when you say something, someone's going to internalize it. And then all I said is like, you know, this, this, this was kind of, eh, this was kind of, you know, the, okay. Say for instance, the meat is not as tender as it could be. And then all of a sudden somebody takes, takes it personally and says, so what are you saying? You're saying that my hard work was not appreciated about a lot. I'm bringing this in a family system, but as much as I'm, I'm using the family to talk about it, remember I said it's a system and it will play out the same way in your organization. So ask yourself, which of my employees act that way? When I, when I call into the office, kind of give them a little advice and they take it personally. It's like, oh my God, he totally chewed me out. Hmm. Right? Manipulation is common. The need to control others is common. There's a grim atmosphere within the family. As soon as daddy shows up, everybody <laughs> bails out, right? And communication is stifled. That is a dysfunctional family system. Are you that boss? As soon as you walk into the lunchroom, everybody, you know, all right, um, okay, it's time to go. Let's, uh, let's get back to work. Nobody's like saying, hey, what's up, boss? Uh, you know, how, how's your day going? Did you close that deal or this, that, and the other? If people are avoiding you, you've got a problem in your organization. Relationships become very dependent, and that's where codependency comes in. Intimacy problems are the norm. Obviously, there's no communication, and there's usually a lack of trust to start with. There's usually unclear rules, right? There's like nobody really sat down and said, okay, this is how we actually do this stuff, or this is how this stuff should be done. And, but when somebody does it wrong, someone gets punished. In your organization, in your business, in your team, do you have SOPs? Do you have KPIs? Do you have things that actually set the law? The beautiful thing about Breakfast with Champions is that what you see here as this orchestration of wonderful people sharing thoughts and ideas is actually a very organized machine. I noticed that and I appreciate that. Right? Otherwise, everybody will come in and wing it, and then there'll be a problem, and someone's going to get blocked, and someone's not going to talk to somebody. You know, Then you play out the same dysfunction on this app. But that is not the case here, because there's order. Rigid attitudes, a lack of inflexibility. You do that. You think, oh, I stick to my standards. Well, <laughs> you may be playing out some dysfunction. Obviously, there are certain things that you cannot compromise on, I'm not saying, but the question is, what are you really rigid and inflexible about? And is it worth being so? Jealousy and suspicion. Jealousy and suspicion. You'll play it out in the family, you'll play it out at work, you'll play it out at clubhouse. 
so-and-so got modded, so-and-so didn't mod me. Oh my God, this and the other. We see it all the time. Where do you think it came from? So I want you to ask yourself, do any of these things actually, did they happen growing up? Because what I find is those are usually symptoms of a slightly dysfunctional adult. Doesn't mean you're gonna fall apart. We all actually play out at least one of these things because no family system is perfect. But our job is the pursuit of constant improvement. And so we should ask ourselves, okay, if any one of these things triggered me, whew, that's, that's where it's at. So you mark that down and you look at it again and resolve it. The beautiful thing is that when you heal that, you become more empowered. It's like you're unlocking a next level of mastery. And Carl Jung said that the most terrifying thing to accept is accept oneself completely. But when you do, you become a master. So, so as not to leave on a, <laughs> on a negative note, I will then share a few traits of a functional family and then maybe open up for conversation. This is a really part of a larger conversation that kind of then goes into things like um, defense mechanisms. You have people who, who have huge defense mechanisms and the more you're aware of it, you'll actually be able to see it in other people and not get triggered by it. That's the whole point. And if it is in you, you at least can begin to diffuse it. So what are the traits of a healthy family? Differences are encouraged in a healthy family. It's okay, it's okay to be different, right? You wanna dress that way? Cool, be that way, you know? Self-expression and communication are present. Dad, you know, this is kinda how I feel about this or this is how I not feel about that. Dad is like, you know what? I don't really think that's how I feel about it, but tell me a little bit more about it. Tell me, how did you arrive on that conclusion? There's a lot of trust that is built. The exact same thing in your organization, on your team. Rules are explicit and clearly understood. There's no confusion. A lot of some of the dysfunction and the narcissism and all of that stuff that does occur in later life is usually out of a confusion of roles. And the child is confused. There's respect for the individual and individual freedom. There is a consistent value system in the family. People are open-minded, right? New traditions are encouraged. I, I had a client one time who said, listen, every Christmas we always, or Thanksgiving, we always went to dinner at grandma's, right? Like it didn't matter what happened. Like we couldn't have it anywhere else. If we did, everybody would freak out, <laughs> you know? That's a problem. Because they, there were instances where it wasn't really possible and people were not pleased because that's how we do it in this family. Is that how you do it in your organization? Right? Trust and love are present. Self-worth is encouraged within members of the family. While boundaries are defined, boundaries can be flexible in order to accommodate individual needs in the moment. There's a generally pleasant atmosphere and individual growth is encouraged. Okay, so, and so when children grow up in, in those roles, things start to feel better, right? 
you don't play out the dysfunction of your family. So I'll finish with, with listing. So you can also ask yourself, which of these am I? Because there are usually about four roles that an individual will play out in a dysfunctional family. Number one is the hero. Usually the first child. There's this idea, and oftentimes is, you know, really encouraged by the parents. You're the first child, you know, you're going to make this family proud. Go out in there and crush it. And now this child has this very interesting responsibility on their head. I had a, I had a client one time that I have this belief that the first child has to be the best. And because I seem to be lacking, I'm worthless. Worthless almost to a point of being suicidal. And until that person shifted that perspective and saying, no, that's not true. They were, they were going down a really bad, bad road. And it didn't matter what you told them, right? So it often leads to a feeling of inadequacy. This first child, the hero, would tend to have a high need of approval. And there's a lot of pent up anger, sometimes usually towards the siblings and other people. And they will usually suffer from low self-esteem sometimes, right? Um, they will tend to seek achievement to meet that standard. So the question is, are you the hero? And are you, what, if you are, what kind of dysfunction are you walking around with? The second role that is often played out in dysfunctional family is that of a scapegoat. That's the second child usually, right? All right, the hero's pretty cool. The hero's trying to be a saint. The, the second one is the one that gets, oh, he did it, he did it, right? And so this becomes the problem child. It's a, it's a lot of acting out of a family's dysfunction that comes out in this, in this um, second child. And usually um, we find that the second child is what we call the identified patient. The identified patient is the child that acts out all the dysfunction in your family. So if you ask yourself, which, is there a sibling of mine that we kind of think has lost their way or is a little off? Well, guess what? That person is probably playing out dysfunction in your family. Same thing in your organization. If there's one employee that keeps acting out, chances are that child is playing out or that individual is playing out dysfunction in the organization. So not only look at the person, but look at your organization and your leadership style and say, what is happening here? The third role is often, well, the second child will end up, if it is a dysfunctional family, would probably end up being an alcoholic or an addict or what have you, or probably just something, right? Because there's a scapegoat. Everything's always their fault anyways. And they'll tend to have problems with authority, right? Because they're in defiance of authority. And usually they don't quite, eh, first child, a slight opposition. There's the lost child, the lost child, the third child. Um, this child gets lost, <laughs> you know, you got first, second child, third child, by then parents have lost interest in child raising, like, oh, you can take care of yourself, your siblings will take care of you, like, they're the loner, they're the dreamer, nobody really notices them, you know, and they have, these folks will tend to have a little bit of suppressed anger. See, the first child is aware of the anger. The third child has suppressed anger because, yeah, you know, things are not as bad, but like, nobody even knows I exist, and I'm okay, you know. And as adult, they may lead slightly unhappy lives. There's a little bit of indecision going on there, right? Um, sometimes this child is not allowed to have feelings between the first and the second child. This child is lost in the mix. What are you playing out? Are you playing out that role of the lost child? The last child, often, not always, but don't forget, this is a sign of dysfunction. The last child would often play out the role of a mascot. Okay, the third child's lost. Nobody notices this child. The last child's like, okay, 
I'm going to get this attention and will often be the clown of the family. Right? I will do anything for a laugh because they're really trying to get that attention. And unfortunately, as an adult, this could play out as, as low self-esteem right? because there's this constant attention-seeking. Um, they may not know why they're here, you know, and they'll tend to withhold a lot of secrets. You know? But they are really screaming inside for attention. Um, and and to, to just be, be worth something without having to be the mascot of the family. Anyway, my time is almost short. I want to open up this conversation. I, I brought this up specifically because as much as we, we are really expressive as to what we should do and strategies and stuff, everything will always come back again to going within and then looking at those parts of us that Mm, I don't want to look at. I want to completely forget about. But that is where our growth and our freedom lies. So um, I'll, I'll kind of open it up to any anybody on the stage. If you've got any comments, any experiences, anything that you say, oh, my God, I think this happened to me. Wow, I never realized it. Or if you even have a question, uh, I'm happy to entertain that for the next few minutes that we have. If you don't, I'll probably find something else to, to um, add on to this. I, I have a lot of stuff. But... I was being respectful of the time. Um, so, Miss Nathan, I have a question. Yes, ma'am. So this is Rachel, and I really appreciate particularly the the, the very ending wrap up that you just shared of first, second, third, and and last. Um, for those of us, you know, rather than looking in the rear view and considering our own family makeups and our own you know childhood experiences and and how that's played out now, mm -hmm. for those of us who are in the parenting role. Yeah. And for those of us who have young children who are in that first position, second position, and so on, what, you know, what practical tools and tips might you be able to offer us so that we can sort of, rather than working backwards and trying to fix what's already broken, mm -hmm. how can we proceed in a way so that we don't break the family in the first place? Absolutely. I mean, the key, the, the reason we look at things, um, I think... Um, Oh, can't remember his name. He wrote this great book. But the, those who do not learn the lessons of the of the past are bound to repeat them. That's the reason we look at patterns, right? So it is important to learn the patterns. This is human nature. It repeats itself over and over and over again. Why does it repeat? Because we tend to fall into these patterns of being. And so as parents, one of the things that we must do or you must do is Educate yourself on the tendencies that we have as humans, okay? The hero doesn't become the hero because, oh, my God, we're going to make this child a hero. What happens is we play out certain patterns of behavior. So, again, going back to – so this is not necessarily reflection just to grieve about. It is to become aware. Remember, again, until we make that unconscious conscious. Your family has an unconscious pattern of being. So that unconscious pattern needs to be made conscious. And then you look at it and you say, okay, this is the tendency of what tends to happen. We'll put the first child on this high pedestal, and we don't even know if this child even wants to achieve this. We don't know what they're thinking inside, right? And, of course, if we want to simplify it, communication must start. How are you feeling? What's going on? But here's the thing, though. When you know the tendencies that these children will tend to play out, or individuals or adults, if they say, eh, I'm okay, you know, hmm, are you really okay? Right? So you're armed with awareness. Just going in blind, not knowing what's up, 
it's easy to say, oh, I'm, I'm good. And you say, oh, yeah, great. Look at me. I did a great job, right? So that's kind of the awareness that comes in is when we know. Like, so let's say, for instance, if I'm in a coaching session with somebody and somebody says, oh, hey, you know, how you doing? No, nah, I'm good. You know, I'm working really hard. And, but I have an idea of what their family system is. And I know what this person says they have an issue with. Well, instead of asking one question, I could ask three. And then on the third one happens to be that thread that unravels the entire thing. So I would, again, go back to you must arm yourself with the awareness and then look at, depending on your patterns, you want to look at your husband's patterns. You want to look at your pattern, right? Are you the one that always shields the child from being, you know, um, you know, spoken to by the father and say, oh, yeah, it's okay. You know, just really look at your pattern because every system is unique. And then say, okay, based off of what I know now, if I keep this way up, it might not be too good for Timmy when he gets older, right? And then just tweak that pattern of behavior a little bit. Um, I, there is nothing else that beats awareness. In the Bible, it says, above all things, acquire understanding, right? Because out of it are the forces of life or whatever. But so it comes down to awareness and then making a choice and then just tweaking the little dials for each person in the family based off of what you guys want to accomplish overall, right? It comes with a family vision. You run a family like you run a business. So I mean, your husband say, hey, what kind of kids do we want to raise anyways? And then work from there. I, I don't know if that helps, but that's the approach I would use at least. Beautiful, Nathan. Thank you. I thank you. Has anybody else got a question, comment? Response, rebuttal, um, we've got five minutes left, but uh, I hope somebody found value in this. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.